0: THE DESIRE OF AGES BY ELLEN G. WHITE CHAPTER 47 MINISTRY The entire night had been passed in the mountain, and as the sun arose Jesus and his disciples descended to the plain. Absorbed in thought, the disciples were awed and silent. Even Peter had not a word to say. Gladly would they have lingered in that holy place which had been touched with the light of heaven and where the Son of God had manifested his glory. But there was work to be done for the people, who were already searching far and near for Jesus. At the foot of the mountain a large company had gathered, led hither by the disciples who had remained behind, but who knew whither Jesus had resorted. As the Savior drew near, he charged his three companions to keep silence concerning what they had witnessed, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. The revelation made to the disciples was to be pondered in their own hearts, not to be published abroad. To relate it to the multitudes would excite only ridicule or idle wonder. Even the nine apostles would not understand the scene until after Christ had risen from the dead. How slow of comprehension even the three favored disciples were, is seen in the fact that notwithstanding all that Christ had said of what was before him, they queried among themselves what the rising from the dead should mean. Yet they asked no explanation from Jesus. His words in regard to the future had filled them with sorrow. They sought no further revelation concerning that which they were fain to believe might never come to pass. As the people on the plain caught sight of Jesus, they ran to meet him, greeting him with expressions of reverence and joy. Yet his quick eye discerned that they were in great perplexity. The disciples appeared troubled. A circumstance had just occurred that had caused them bitter disappointment and humiliation. While they were waiting at the foot of the mountain, a father had brought his son to them to be delivered from a dumb spirit that tormented him. Authority over unclean spirits to cast them out had been conferred on the disciples when Jesus sent out the twelve to preach through Galilee. As they went forth strong in faith, the evil spirits had obeyed their word. Now in the name of Christ, they commanded the torturing spirit to leave his victim, but the demon only mocked them by a fresh display of his power. The disciples, unable to account for their defeat, felt that they were bringing dishonor upon themselves and their master. And in the crowd there were scribes who made the most of this opportunity to humiliate them. Pressing around the disciples, they plied them with questions, seeking to prove that they and their master were deceivers. Here the rabbis triumphantly declared, was an evil spirit that neither the disciples nor Christ himself could conquer. The people were inclined to side with the scribes, and a feeling of contempt and scorn pervaded the crowd. But suddenly the accusation ceased. Jesus and the three disciples were approaching, and with a quick revulsion of feeling, the people turned to meet them. The night of communion with the heavenly glory had left its trace upon the Savior and his companions. Upon their countenances was a light that awed the beholders. The scribes drew back in fear, while the people welcomed Jesus. As if he had been a witness of all that had occurred, the Savior came to the scene of conflict, and, fixing his gaze upon the scribes, inquired, What question ye of them? But the voices so bold and defiant before were now silent. A hush had fallen upon the entire company. Now the afflicted father made his way through the crowd, and falling at the feet of Jesus, poured out the story of his trouble and disappointment. "'Master,' he said, "'I have brought unto thee my Son, which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. And I spake unto thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not.' Jesus looked about him upon the awe-stricken multitude, the cavilling scribes, the perplexed disciples." He read the unbelief in every heart, and in a voice filled with sorrow he exclaimed, O oh, faithless generation! How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Then he bade the distressed father, Bring thy son hither. The boy was brought, and as the Saviour's eyes fell upon him, the evil spirit cast him to the ground in convulsions of agony. He lay wallowing and foaming, rending the air with unearthly shrieks. Again the prince of life and the prince of the powers of darkness had met on the field of battle. Christ in fulfillment of his mission to preach deliverance to the captives, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Luke 4 verse 18. Satan seeking to hold his victim under his control. Angels of light and the hosts of evil angels, unseen, were pressing near to behold the conflict. For a moment, Jesus permitted the evil spirit to display his power, that the beholders might comprehend the deliverance about to be wrought. The multitude looked on with bated breath, the Father in an agony of hope and fear. Jesus asked, How long is it ago since this came upon him? The father told the story of long years of suffering, and then, as if he could endure no more, exclaimed, If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If thou canst, even now the father questioned the power of Christ. Jesus answered, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. There is no lack of power on the part of Christ. The healing of the Son depends upon the Father's faith. With a burst of tears and realizing his own weakness, the Father casts himself upon Christ's mercy with the cry, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Jesus turns to the suffering one and says, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him. And enter no more into him. There is a cry, an agonized struggle. The demon, in passing, seems about to rend the life from his victim. Then the boy lies motionless and apparently lifeless. The multitude whisper, He is dead. But Jesus takes him by the hand and, lifting him up, presents him in perfect soundness of mind and body to his Father. The Father and Son praise the name of their Deliverer. The multitude are amazed at the mighty power of God, while the scribes, defeated and crestfallen, turn sullenly away. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. How many a sin-burdened soul has echoed that prayer? And to all, the pitying Savior's answer is, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. It is faith that connects us with heaven and brings us strength for coping with the powers of darkness. In Christ, God has provided means for subduing every sinful trait and resisting every temptation, however strong. But many feel that they lack faith and therefore they remain away from Christ. Let these souls, in their helpless unworthiness, cast themselves upon the mercy of their compassionate Savior. Look not to self, but to Christ. He who healed the sick and cast out demons when he walked among men is the same mighty Redeemer today. Faith comes by the word of God. Then grasp his promise, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. John 6, verse 37. Cast yourself at his feet with the cry, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. You can never perish while you do this. Never. In a brief space of time, the favored disciples have beheld the extreme of glory and of humiliation. They have seen humanity as transfigured into the image of God and as debased into the likeness of Satan. From the mountain where he has talked with the heavenly messengers and has been proclaimed the Son of God by the voice from the radiant glory, they have seen Jesus descend to meet that most distressing and revolting spectacle the maniac boy, with distorted countenance, gnashing his teeth in spasms of agony that no human power could relieve. And this mighty Redeemer, who but a few hours before stood glorified before his wondering disciples, stoops to lift the victim of Satan from the earth where he is wallowing, and in health of mind and body restores him to his father and his home. It was an object lesson of redemption, the divine one from the Father's glory, stooping to save the lost. It represented also the disciples' mission. Not alone upon the mountaintop with Jesus, in hours of spiritual illumination, is the life of Christ's servants to be spent. There is work for them down in the plain, souls whom Satan has enslaved are waiting for the word of faith and prayer to set them free. The nine disciples were yet pondering upon the bitter fact of their own failure. And when Jesus was once more alone with them, they questioned, Why could not we cast him out? Jesus answered them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you, howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Their unbelief that shut them out from deeper sympathy with Christ, and the carelessness with which they regarded the sacred work committed to them, had caused their failure in the conflict with the powers of darkness. The words of Christ pointing to his death had brought sadness and doubt. And the selection of the three disciples to accompany Jesus to the mountain had excited the jealousy of the nine. Instead of strengthening their faith by prayer and meditation on the words of Christ, they had been dwelling on their discouragement and personal grievances. In this state of darkness, they had undertaken the conflict with Satan. In order to succeed in such a conflict, they must come to the work in a different spirit. Their faith must be strengthened by fervent prayer and fasting and humiliation of heart. They must be emptied of self and be filled with the spirit and power of God. Earnest, persevering supplication to God in faith, faith that leads to entire dependence upon God and unreserved consecration to his work, can alone avail to bring men the Holy Spirit's aid in the battle against principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and the wicked spirits in high places. If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, said Jesus, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. Though the grain of mustard seed is so small, it contains that same mysterious life principle which produces growth in the loftiest tree. When the mustard seed is cast into the ground, the tiny germ lays hold of every element that God has provided for its nutriment, and it speedily develops a sturdy growth. If you have faith like this, you will lay hold upon God's word and upon all the helpful agencies he has appointed. Thus your faith will strengthen and will bring to your aid the power of heaven, the obstacles that are piled by Satan across your path, though apparently as insurmountable as the eternal hills, shall disappear before the command of faith. Nothing shall be impossible unto you.